0: Welcome to the Women Changing the World podcast, a podcast on a mission to bring you some of the most amazing women I know who are doing incredible things to generally make the world a better place. From corporate sustainability to straight up magic and everything in between, you'll meet the real life humans who are birthing the new. I'm your host, Liz Best, and I'm here to amplify the stories and voices of women who are changing the world. Today I am talking to Melanie Albert, corporate dropout turned seven-figure CEO about all things money mindset, sales and marketing, how to follow your intuition. Um, I am such a huge fan of Mel, I've worked with her on numerous different aspects of my life and my business over the past year and a half and I know you are going to get so much magic out of this conversation. Hi, oh my goodness, I am so excited for today's episode of the Women Changing the World podcast where I am sitting down with corporate dropout turned seven-figure CEO, Melanie Aubert, who is a friend, a coach, a mentor to me, and someone I'm just such a huge, huge, huge fan of. Um, so before we get into questions, um, Melanie, I would absolutely love if you'd be willing to quickly introduce yourself
1: to our listeners. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be on this podcast. Um, I'm Melanie. Like Liz had said, I have had a two year journey in the online space, leaving my corporate job to start my own business. Now a seven figure CEO. The journey was a long one, but we are here. I grew up in poverty, dropped out of my corporate job in marketing to pursue my own business in the online space. And uh, I love
0: it. And I definitely will ask you more questions um, to go into detail on in your story, because I think people, myself included, always find it so interesting to hear how women got to where they are today. Um, but one of my favorite questions to start with is if you could change one thing about the world, what is the one thing that you would
1: want to change? I would definitely change. And something that I'm very passionate about is the perception of women and wealth. I want women to be comfortable around having an and-also life, uh, meaning having the family and also a lot of money, and feeling comfortable holding that power.
0: Uh, I love that. Uh, Sign me up for that
1: world, please.
0: (laughs) And I imagine that this relates um, to that vision, but how would you describe your personal mission?
1: My personal mission would definitely be to to see more women in not only CEO and leadership roles, but in I would love to see more women making a lot of money in that seven figure and beyond range. So changing the statistics around only two percent of women business owners being uh making a million dollars in a twelve month uh duration.
0: Uh yes. And the fact that it's only two percent is like a number that we have got to change.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes.
0: Um, well, I'm curious. So, I mean, as you, you kind of described high level, um, I know that you had a corporate job at one point and today have a seven figure plus business. Um, would you be willing to like kind of break it down for us a little bit more of your story, um, in detail? How, like, how does one become in that, someone who's in that 2%?
1: Absolutely. So growing up the way that I did in poverty, uh, both my parents were drug addicts, unfortunately. They're they're sober now, which is fantastic. But I, I knew that I wanted to be more in life, in business. I wanted to be highly successful from a young age. And I only thought that the way that we could do that was going the traditional route of college, graduating, getting a corporate job, and then climbing the corporate ladder. And when I got into corporate, I was uh, a, a bit unsatisfied. I was very eager to learn to do more. And as most people in those positions know, it, it feels very capped. Um, you have to put in the years in order to move up. And and I, I was very bored. So that kind of stemmed into a side hustle mentality of like, let me just dabble in this online space thing. I was a personal trainer when I first started. So I was watching other people and this is like at the dawn of like the online space, like before <laughs> people were actually selling anything. I saw a few people doing it. Um, so I got curious and I and I dove into that. I grew my social media. I started selling eBooks. Uh, and then that spiraled into me now becoming a seven figure business owner. I've evolved from the fitness coach now into a marketing and sales coach, which was my corporate job. And now more so in the money mindset realm.
0: It's so cool. Are you willing to share what was the name of your first $25 eBook? I'm so
1: curious. I don't think I had a name for it, ironically, but it was a three month, Uh, fitness package where I gave workouts three times a week for a three-month duration. And it was, I think, oh, actually, no, it did have a name. It was Live, Love, Lift. (laughs) That's amazing.
0: I love that so much.
1: (laughs) I've come a long way.
0: Totally. Well, and in that vein, so I know I first encountered you when you were still in the OMA, Online Marketing Academy, days of your business, um, which was your signature program, which I imagine has helped so many other women, myself included, um, you know, show up in the online space. And it really covered so much more than marketing, like it had sales mindset stuff and strategy stuff and content stuff. I mean, there's so much goodness in there. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about, I guess, both the genesis of OMA, but then also what, how you decided uh, to pivot away from OMA at the end of 2020?
1: Absolutely. So initially, me working in a corporate marketing environment, I disagreed with a lot of the practices. Uh, naturally, what I did, like day to day in my job, was was what I was taught in college. It was very uh, masculine, very traditional, and with the online space exploding, it, it wasn't relevant anymore. And I knew that. When I would bring new ideas into my corporate job, they struggled to adapt to how the online space operated. So that's where I felt that boredom. And then going into the online space, I saw so many people, they didn't know how to to market and sell from a a feminine kind of place. Uh, A lot of what we have been taught has been a very masculine way of selling, very door-to-door salesman mentality. And so I wanted to bring that intentionality and that strategy into the space, teaching other people intention, how to show up, and really educate educating them on the feminine approaches to marketing and sales. That's where that came from. OMA was birthed from that. And then we've helped over, I I mean, 1.5 million in in client or student uh, sales, which is phenomenal. And then when I was in that, when I was in that world, as that was growing, as my business was growing, I, I really dove into the inner work, the money mindset topic. And that's what really allowed me to explode my business. And I was at a crossroad. I'm someone who takes integrity to like the next level. And I knew that I wanted to dive into the topic of money mindset. But the way that I had built my program, me being so immersed in the process, me working heavily with my students uh, in a very intimate setting, I knew that I was bottlenecking myself. And I had a choice of either continuing the program as it was and just sticking with that because it was a multi six-figure program at the time, generating a lot of sales, or I give up that and go for uh, topics that really excite me, the money mindset, breaking up what I was currently teaching that program and teaching it in different ways. Uh, I was I was craving something different. Clearly, boredom is something that I that I <laughs> <laughs> with. So I I gave up that program end of 2020. And then I starting 2021, uh, we had no plans. I I launched my money mindset course. That was the first time I introduced that topic to my audience, and then from there it was an explosion of a new world in the online space for me.
0: Oh, that is so cool. And I definitely identify with that pathological integrity (laughs) Um, and love that that was part of the, the genesis of this new phase. I'm curious, so like on the money mindset stuff, what, I guess, what did you find most transformational when you started applying some of the money mindset practices to your own life and business?
1: Yeah. So the interesting part is I dove into money mindset because of my students. So when I was monitoring the success of some clients, I found it so interesting how some clients would exceed my expectations while others still struggled. And when we really looked at what the, the difference was between someone who you know, exceeded our expectations and really blew up. And then, someone who was still stuck was was their mentality around the information, what they believed to be true. And with that curiosity, I'm a very curious person by nature. I started diving into money mindset, how that plays a role in our businesses. And then it was it was love at first sight. I I started applying the information. I started really looking at how women, in particular, because I, I primarily serve women. When I was looking at women. Uh, when the topic of money came up, it was astounding to see what we believed to be true and how we were actually holding ourselves back from what we ultimately wanted by by simply what we believed to be true around having money, maintaining money, sustaining money, and then holding it.
0: Absolutely. I mean, that's definitely something I found in my own coaching practice. I feel like, you know, often I work with women on, on issues related to their lives or their careers, and it's just almost impossible to... Navigate either of those things without money beca- like coming up at some point in the process and our relationship with money and our ability to receive
1: it's it's so interesting and honestly, the more I peel back the layers in the conversation of money, the more I see how how women have been trained to believe a certain narrative. If we look at movies and shows growing up the the wealthy woman was portrayed a certain way and and a lot of women fear success out of turning into. The villain, um, the B word—you know—all of the above we fear turning into some uh, some kind of monster. And again, we have been trained to believe that it's an an either-or kind of life. You either have the family or you have the career. And I'm determined to change that because it's not always true, which is fascinating.
0: Absolutely, you know. I mean, that's definitely a limiting belief that I recognized in myself a few years ago. This idea that it was like wild success or the love of my life and that it wasn't both.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's I think crazy.
0: Totally. Totally. Well, and I think, especially for the women in my world, women in the impact space, I think there can often be this idea that like, like you have to only do the work that you do for the impact, as opposed to doing what you do for the impact and the income, because, I am a very much a believer that more money makes you more of who you already are. So if you're someone who's an impact focused individual, more money is just going to allow you to do more awesome stuff. Um, I'm curious, do you have any kind of like words of advice or tips for starting to adopt or question or consider a different mindset for women specifically who are in the impact space?
1: Absolutely. So uh, again, it comes back to that narrative of money's going to change who we are. Money is going to make us someone that we're not. Money is going to make us greedy or we're going to lose our humility and so on and so forth when none of that's actually true. I I feared that for so long because growing up the way that I did in poverty, literally stealing to eat, um, I I felt a lot of guilt and shame around desiring more money when when really now in the space that I'm in with the money that I'm generating, I make my money matter. I'm able to hire more. I'm able to do more. I bought my parents a house. Like Doing things like that, I'm like, poor people can't help poor people the way that we can if we were wealthy. So me desiring more money only spreads the love I have in my heart and only allows me to do more great things. Um, and, and more importantly, me making more money never takes away from somebody else. I think we have this feeling that when we when we generate more, someone else suffers when it's it's frankly not true. Another thing, an example I love to give is my Jeff Bezos example. But <laughs> if you think about coming into this world, right? When you were born, God didn't say to you like, eh, mediocre life, maybe cracking six figures, whatever. But then Jeff Bezos was born and God was like, okay, multi-billion dollar business. There you go, pal. Like we all come into this <laughs> world right and 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 god goes you know i want you to have everything so t- technically being wealthy is your birthright right we again the money is just a neutral thing it is is a tool we're the ones that attach emotion and meaning onto it when when really it just is there to make our lives easier it's it's available to us to make other people's lives better uh and when you have integrity and you are a grounded human now you'll only be that same person you just add money
0: Absolutely. I love that so much. And I really, yeah, again, I really do think more money makes us more of who we already are. And I I don't remember where I read that for the first time, but I was like, oh my gosh, that's so true. And I very much believe that the people who do the most good should make the most money. Unfortunately, that's not how our current system of capitalism works. (laughs) Maybe one day we will get there. Um, You know, one thing that I learned, one practice I learned um, as a result of my work with you that I found super helpful is this idea of putting my monthly minimum income and maximum income on a post-it where I can see it. Um, And it's been interesting because I definitely, I had written a post-it the first time I did um, magnetic money moves. And there came a point a few months later where I realized my post-it numbers were not big enough (laughs) and I Upped the post it numbers and very and then, immediately also upped my income. It was kind of insane to experience.
1: Wow.
0: Um, are there any specific, like, other practices or examples where you've seen for yourself something just like kind of immediately like, you've done one thing differently and seen an immediate shift?
1: Absolutely. And and just to uh, uh, piggyback off of what you just said, a lot of us avoid looking at income uh, because we're scared of it. Right. And that comes from rooted beliefs around lack. It's not going to be sustained. It, I'm scared to see where the number's at. So I encourage you to get clarity around your money because you are in control of it. A lot of times we give our power away to it. But as you've experienced, Liz, when you take your power back and you and you become intentional in what you are looking to receive, it's a lot easier than we think. It almost feels like magic, which I joke. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's what it feels like. Another uh, easy practice that I that I recommend and I talk about often that I do daily is is knowing that you are in control of of how you feel and that that self accountability is incredibly important. A lot of times we give our power away to circumstance. So and so did this to me. I feel this, therefore now I'm stuck in that energy. Or this circumstance happened. Uh, and now my day's ruined. We give our power away to circumstance when really we have the power to change our thoughts and our beliefs instantaneous. So one thing that I do is what I call, and Liz, you know this well, the choose again method. So if I'm this morning, for example, I got a flat tire. I was wearing my pajamas and no bra. I had to go get <laughs> the tire fixed immediately. So incredibly embarrassing. I could have easily been like, "Today sucks. Everything sucks. I'm off to a terrible start. Just my luck." Yada yada. yada. Instead. I made, I decided to choose again. Okay. I get to have a slower morning. It's a nice laugh. We get to joke about I was with my husband at the time. So, uh, we had, we have time to spend together. So if you are experiencing moments that don't feel good, we forget that happiness, joy, and contentment is our natural state of being. We feel like that state is fleeting. It's something we have to work hard for when really it is just how we are supposed to be always right. Uh, I think about children, right? They're usually always in that natural state of just happiness. So whenever I'm feeling anything but that, I work my way up to feel that again, that contentment, that happiness, that joy. So if I'm having a moment where I'm like, oh, this is annoying, this sucks, I'm, I'm angry at the situation, I, I choose again, okay, how can I see the goodness? How can I see the goodness? Well, we don't always realize when it comes to energy and money mindset is we're always oscillating and becoming a frequency for something. So if I'm in a This sucks. I, my bad luck, so on and so forth. I'm only becoming a vibrational match for more situations that align with that. So, when I keep moving myself into a place of contentment and joy, I'm aligning myself back into a place of receiving the things that I actually want and I I deeply desire.
0: Absolutely. No, I mean, I definitely, I feel like we do attract things that are on our frequency. One of my favorite quotes uh is like people almost always meet your expectations so if you're expecting someone to like do something that's not what you want like they probably will but also it's what you were expecting absolutely Um, and I do feel like another practice that's very much in that vein of staying in that abundance mindset and focusing on the positive is having an abundance list and an abundance tracker and really tracking all the like small miracles like little gifts random money, like all the beautiful things that show up in our life because, you know, what you focus on expands. And so if you're focusing on the things that don't happen, like, you know, to what you were saying, like maybe more of the things are not going to happen. But if you're focusing on all the things that are going right, there's often so much more that's going right than we give ourselves credit for.
1: I joke that the universe does not know the difference between a dollar or a million dollars. Only you do because you place the emphasis and the importance on it. So if I find a penny or a quarter on the street or uh, a random $5 bill in like an old handbag, I celebrate that as if I've like won the lottery because I want to vibrate uh, that uh, I want to vibrate out out of the frequency of excitement of Holy crap, look what I just found, and i and I want to pretend as if it's it's a million dollars, right because again, the universe and how things vibrate, they don't understand the difference between the two only we do, so i'm going to celebrate everything like it is a million dollars
0: mm, yes, I am here for all the celebrations along the way. I feel like especially as an entrepreneur, things can be so hard, <laughs> so you have to celebrate all the little wins. Um, Well, I definitely want to ask you some questions about sales um, as well and marketing because I know that you are so brilliant on that topic. But before we shift, um, I'm curious, what would be your number one piece of advice for other women entrepreneurs, um, maybe who are listening to this and who are like, I want a seven-figure business, like what should I do?
1: So I would think about the first thing I would say is the person that you envision, the seven figure version of you, the one who's already making that money, uh, how does that person act? How do they show up? Who are they? And I want you to start acting as if you already are that person now. Uh, we for, we always detach ourselves and make ourselves uh, feel like the seven figure version or, or that seven figures is very far away again. We we create the space. We create and put it on a shelf that feels far away. Therefore, it always will be far away. But if you start acting as if you already are and step in and embody that kind of person every single day and choose to be that person, you do what we call quantum leaping. You get there a lot quicker because you're collapsing the time that you have once created from you and that seven-figure version of yourself.
0: Uh, yes, such a powerful practice. I was just on a hike with a friend yesterday, and we were talking specifically about that. It's like whoever you're calling in, like dress like her now, (laughs) order food like her now, work out like her now, (laughs) because like suddenly you wake up one day and you are her.
1: Exactly, exactly. And it happens faster than you can possibly imagine.
0: Totally, totally. It really is pretty insane what's possible in a relatively short period of time. I feel like so often, especially in entrepreneurship, it can be easy to See the like ups and downs, like the minor like dips, and um, I'm trying to think what the opposite of dips is, but like you know, again, those ups and downs from day to day, like you can really get kind of like feel like you're in the dryer on like the spin cycle. But if you zoom out and look at where you were a year ago or even six months ago, it could be crazy what has happened. It just doesn't always feel like it. And again, Absolutely. in the day to day.
1: And it's the illusion that, that things aren't happening. And I like to use, and Liz, you've heard this, this story a million times, but the example of a bamboo plant. Um, when you what There's a bamboo that takes five years to grow, and the farmers will go out and plant these seeds and water them every single day for five years, five full years. So on year three, when you look at the ground, nothing's sprouting, right? And to the naked eye, you might say, this isn't working, something's wrong, something's wrong. But really what's happening underneath is is they're grabbing root, right? Like the seeds are sprouting underneath the ground, but the illusion is nothing's happening. And then eventually when that five-year mark hits, those plants shoot up feet per day. It's wild how that works. And that's the same thing when it comes to time, right? The illusion that it's not working, it is give it time to happen. But we also live in a world where people say, oh, it's gonna take you X amount of time to get there. It's gonna take you this much time to get that. When really all it is, is it took someone that much time. Therefore, they're just giving you some kind of metric to base your experience off of when it can take a second. Things can change in a matter of a minute Thankfully, we aren't bamboo plants, right? We can grow a lot quicker than <laughs> five years. But um, I think the the illusion that things aren't working, the illusion of time is what holds a lot of us back.
0: Totally. Well, and there is this idea and manifestation that Lacey Phillips talks about that I really subscribe to that there's this period she calls the magic dark, which is that moment when you've done all the work, when you've done everything that <laughs> you could possibly do to make your dreams come true. And like you've done it, you're ready, you're ready to receive and then you hear crickets. Mm -hmm. And the idea is that like this is the final test. Like you've been tested, you know, probably over and over in terms of like, are you going to choose the thing that's aligned with what you say you want? Are you going to choose the thing that's aligned with what you say you want? And then the last test is like, are you still going to choose that thing and show up for that thing as though it's already here when there is no evidence to suggest that it is on its way?
1: Now, I call that the goop, right? When caterpillars go in the cocoon, we don't really know what's happening in there, right? The dark, uh, but it, it takes time for them to develop into a butterfly. But yeah, it's 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 that faith that's incredibly important. And I, I was just having this conversation, Liz, and you were there for it, but we, I like to envision when I'm in that waiting period, right, it, it could be a second, it could, it could be a couple of days, it could be a couple of months. I envision things flying at me full speed. Like the things that I want are literally out there somewhere trying to make their way to me, that gets me excited, right? I know that when I ask, it is always given. So I just envision them coming at me. Sometimes things take a bit longer uh, based on my alignment, but I'm okay with that. I'm okay with holding the faith when I'm in the goop.
0: Mm. I like, I like the goop. (laughs) I like the magic dark too. I mean, I don't like it when I'm in it, but (laughs) they're very helpful names for things. I think many of us have been through. Um, well, switching gears a little bit to talk about sales, um, I feel like money mindset is certainly something that like also directly relates to the experience of selling something online. Um, what do you wish more people knew about marketing and sales?
1: Yeah. So marketing and sales in its simplest form it is just a, a process of communication. That's all it is. I, one thing, and the reason why I'm so adamant about changing what we believe to be true on the two topics is this idea that it has to be sleazy, it has to be manipulative, it has to feel icky, it's trickery, it's not. Really all it is is you saying, hey, here's an invitation to a party that I'm hosting or that I have, I want you to come, and then people make an educated decision to say yes or no. Like, that's really all it is. We, we freak ourselves out over the, those two topics when it really is just a conversation.
0: Totally, totally. I mean, I think so many of us have been raised with this idea that, like, that sales is icky. We all have, like, that stereotype in our head of, like, the sleazy car salesman. And, like, (laughs) this idea that by showing up and selling, like, what we offer, that we are embodying the sleazy car salesman.
1: Yeah. And I always say, sell the way that you buy what feels good for you. Because the reason why the encyclopedia door-to-door sales tactic and all that stuff. That's traditionally what was taught because we didn't have the online space, right? Like it was, you had to go door-to-door because people didn't know, about you yet. Right. But that's not how it works anymore, which is what I'm looking to change. A lot of what we're taught is stemming from that. It feels very uninvited. It feels very pushy. It feels gross, right? Like we don't like, I just got a phone call right before this said your extended warranty. I'm like, Oh my, if I wanted it, like I'd call (laughs) you, you know what I mean? So, um, one thing, the way that I teach is you become a magnet for the people who want to work with you and what is required in order to create, um, to, to create like a magnetizing brand or business is to be someone who emulates trust, integrity, knowledge. Uh, you can feel when someone's passionate about what they do. You're almost like you want to be a part of it because it feels so good being in their space. And then they actually invite themselves to join whatever it is that you have. And they want to buy from you because of that. That's how I sell.
0: Totally. And it is so much more magnetic uh, when it is that vibe of like, uh, this is a party (laughs) and I'm inviting you because I think you're going to have a great time. I know you're going to have a great time. If you don't want to come, that's totally fine. Do your thing. But if you do come, it's going to be a blast.
1: It's going to be a party. Yeah, absolutely. And and the, the biggest fear we have is fear of rejection. But like, does it really matter if they say no? No, you keep going. It's not right now. No big deal. You keep showing up. I think that again, we attach meaning to everything. When we hear no or it's not the right time, we internalize that and say, "Oh my gosh, it must be me. I must suck. My offer must suck. My business must suck." But it's it's not true at all. Like it really just is its circumstance. So don't make it mean anything if it doesn't have to.
0: Yeah, and one thing that I learned from you that I really appreciate is that a no is almost always a not right now.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I get told no every single day, and I'm still kicking. You know what I mean? Like people, they inquire. It's their own. It's their own blockages. It's their. It's their own. You know, stuff that they're dealing with. It's. It, I. I. It's okay. You know what I mean? So it's not right now. They'll circle back when they're ready. Um, we've been taught when it comes to sales is you don't take a no for an answer. Like you keep pushing for a yes, but no one likes that don't sell that way. You know what I mean? Like don't push. I want to work with people who want to buy or opt in or snag that invitation from a place of desire versus a place of lack. Oh my gosh, I feel like I have to, I don't want to tell her no. I don't want my clients to be in that kind of energy or, or experience. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, definitely. 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 I, I love it. I feel like one of I, – I also have been learning to embrace the no. One of my post-its on my desk is no makes way for fuck yes. Like I want everyone who says yes. I want it to be like a full body all in yes. Absolutely. And every no is just someone who's like not that person not or maybe they are that person. They're just not in that place.
1: Um, and they're like opening up the
0: space for someone who is.
1: Absolutely. You don't make it mean anything. Like I, an example is, um, when we sell one-on-one coaching, it's, it's very rare. I say yes to anybody. Cause it's very, it's a higher level kind of caliber, uh, opportunity or experience. And people will say absolutely hell yes. And then change their minds. And instead of me saying, Oh my gosh, like it's too expensive. It's this, it's that I'm like, I'm opening up space for someone who is even more ready than that person or or is ready you know than that person, so and it always is true, but it's the goop part right It's that holding that faith that you believe better is coming
0: mhm mm-hmm. absolutely and do you have any any like thoughts or tips or recommendations for boundaries around kind of like your own energy and sales? I mean one thing that I've implemented that I have found immensely helpful is a no ghosting policy (laughs) around like, and I have a 48 hour closure window after I have a sales conversation with someone and I tell them upfront, like, you will give me a yes and no or a not right now in 48 hours and you will not ghost me. And after having like a a series of like very unfortunate ghosting experiences that like my ghosting rate went to almost zero, if not zero.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I would say, just as you said, is what I practice as well. But to take it one level deeper is I set the intention that uh, I'm not available to be ghosted, right? Like people... This sounds weird, but um, I've I've had clients who have done this, and they're like, "Oh my gosh, now I'm hearing crickets." So if I set the intention that I don't I don't want to even attract or have the conversation to be ghosted, and then I hear silence, like I'm not getting many DMs. I know that's because I'm now unavailable for that conversation. The people who aren't available with me are still making their way to my DMs or wherever. You know what I'm saying? So I to again, I lo- I love your advice. It's one I teach too. Um, but when it comes to the intention, I just don't make myself available for those conversations, right? Like I said the intention when I show up, when I create content, when I create offers that uh, the people who know it, it it's a it's a full body hell yes. And those are the people who come always. I don't even know if I've been ghosted. I don't even I don't even know anymore because I don't I don't <laughs> look. You know what I mean? I don't follow up either. So that's just how it works.
0: Totally, totally. Oh, that's interesting. Are you like a totally zero follow up, like come get it if you want it kind of person?
1: Correct. So if they, because again, the kind of person I want to call into my space is they just know and they act. They're self led. I don't have to chase them for anything. But the way that we market or promote anything that we're selling is they they hear from me quite a bit, either publicly on stories or via content, via email. Like it, it's everywhere. You can't miss it. So like that to me is a follow up. They're mm-hmm. seeing it over and over again. But I'm not going to individually say, hey, by the way, it, it's. I want to work with people who are self-led and that doesn't require me following up with them.
0: Oh, totally. I love that. I mean, I think the question of follow-up is such an interesting one because on the one hand, I feel like in building relationships and not necessarily in, like sales conversations, follow-up is everything. And I'm totally right there with you. It's like I want someone who like knows it's a yes and says yes and moves accordingly and not someone who um who needs the nudge. But I also like sometimes there's magic in the nudge.
1: Sometimes there is too. If if I have someone, let's say it's higher ticket, right? Because that's usually where there's some kind of delay in response sometimes. And they say they have to think about it. I honor that space, right? Like, of course, go think about it. And if, like you said, we set the expectation or the boundaries up, I'm following up in 48 hours. What I always find is they follow up with me before I even follow up with them. Like they are Mm -hmm. the ones to contact me and say, hey, I know it's Tuesday. Like, and then they they say whatever their decision is. So I don't feel the need to, but if that's the expectation, I will follow through on what I've promised, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, totally. Totally. That makes sense. Um, How does, I I know we've talked a lot about intuition, I think both in this podcast and more broadly. Um, How do you kind of channel or get in touch with your intuition?
1: Yeah. So it is, I, I've naturally done it and I didn't know I was actually, I was doing it. i was just like, oh, that's a good idea. Let me just try that. So it, was, it just felt like inspired action, which which feels the same to me. But um, I would say it, when it comes to mentorship, nobody knows what you want more than yourself, right? So whenever I get a nudge to do something or I have a random idea that comes to me randomly, um, I, I take that and I run with it. Because I sound an accident in my opinion. So I believe that whenever I get a nudge to do something, it's a sign to do something, and then I just do it. Um, so I've learned to just kind of take things that don't really make sense and just run with it because there's a reason why I've, I've felt that. But it, channeling that is uh, always in the surrender or the non-doing. So I don't get nudges to go a certain way or to do a certain thing via intuition unless I'm in a place of receiving the intuition, meaning I have moved away from that hustle, 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 because in that energy, it's very difficult for me to receive any kind of anything because I'm, I'm in the masculine energy of doing. Um, so I make a lot of time to, to sit back and, and do things that don't require me working toward anything. So reading, taking baths, taking showers, and setting the intention when I enter those spaces that I'm available to uh, receive any nudge or intuition bursts that I might you know have in that moment.
0: Totally. I, that I, That's such a beautiful way of describing it. I mean, I am definitely actively trying to de- deprogram the hustle, for lack of better words. I know many of the women I work with are similarly trying to deprogram the hustle, and it is wild. I mean, I've had some of the best days, weeks, months in my business when I was doing nothing, when I was laying on the beach, when I was at the pool, when I was getting my eyebrows done, <laughs> and I was, like, really taking care of myself. And, like, because I fully believed that, like, those are going to be abundant days, even though
1: I wasn't doing a whole lot, they were. They were, yeah. Yeah, and it, again, too, when it comes to energy, receiving compensation happens when you're in that mode, when you're in with the space of receiving, uh, the, the, doing the things that make you feel joyous. I had an epiphany last night and I told this to my husband. I am a big, I'm an avid reader. Uh, but what I found myself doing, my excuse was my surrender or me just having fun is me reading. But I've only read books that help me in my business, help me with my mindset. I've never just read a book for guilty pleasure, right? To just do what, just read a book that had no reasoning for it. And, and this past week, I have been reading uh, nonfiction novels for the first time in years. We're talking like nearly a decade, okay, which is crazy. And my husband goes, that's the first time you read a book without any expectation of learning something. And I was like, OMG, I have been pretending, right, to have me time when really it's just me, again, pretending to have me time, <laughs> my business better. It was wild. And I was like, oh my gosh. So my intention the past month has been uh, to read more just for pleasure, with with no strings attached, just to have fun reading. And we were joking this morning. By eight a.m., we made multiple four figures without doing anything—literally nothing. Nothing happened. So it was it was wild to see it actually work.
0: Oh my goodness! It is so crazy when you see it work,
1: <laughs> When you're wow. like, "I
0: really believe. I really believe. I really believe." And then you're like, "Oh my gosh! It's actually happening!" <laughs> yes.
1: It feels like magic.
0: It really does. Oh, well, if you need any other fiction book recommendations, I am such a reader. I'm happy oh, okay. to read some your way.
1: I, I've read two this week already. Crazy! Oh, how
0: I love books. it. You're on fire. Fire. Um, so I guess in the vein of reading, um, I'm curious, what right now or in general is your favorite inspirational quote?
1: Ooh, inspirational quote. Put me on the spot. I have so many that I'm just like searching my brain for it. Um, I would say uh, my favorite quote didn't come from a book by any means, but something that I always repeat to myself is you are meant for more and that more can mean anything that you want it to mean, but it's something that I've always repeated ever since I was little and it's it's been kind of my anthem growing up and, and becoming who I am today.
0: Mm, you are meant for more. Uh, Well, my next question is actually, so um, I and many of the people that I know, uh, I think you are the same. I'm a sucker for an inspirational post-it note. (laughs) So uh, I'm sitting here looking at so many that if you saw me, I look like a crazy person. And one of my not at all secret dreams is that one day there will be like a stack of post-it notes that I sell that have pre-populated inspirational messages from the amazing women on this podcast. And so in in keeping, I also love Tim Ferriss asked on his podcast, uh, like if you had a billboard, what would it say? Uh, And so I'm curious if you had like one or two inspirational post-its that you got to author, what would you put on them?
1: I would say you help them get there, but you're not responsible for getting them there. I think that we especially as women carry a lot of burden on um helping someone see something through or get to the end result that they crave when really your job uh in someone's life or business or whatever you do as a career is just to help them along the way you're not responsible for getting them to where they're looking to go if that makes sense. Mhm. Mhm. Absolutely. And then another one I would say This might be, it's just two words, but it, it it counts, right? Uh, It's just jump in. It's just do it. Not, not to steal that from Nike, please. I know Nike has trademarked that, but (laughs) uh, the, just jump in, go. I think we wait and we wait for, for, for whatever, right? When really we're just prolonging the inevitable, just go for it.
0: Yes, definitely. And I know we've talked about this before, but I feel like one of the best pieces of advice I got when I was about to start my business was this idea of information through action, not through endless strategizing that like if you are thinking about doing something like just do something, <laughs> you will learn from it um that I think it can be so easy to just spend time trying to like make the strategy and the plan perfect and at the end of the day like you're going to get more information that's going to help you make the next round better by just moving
1: someone i was just doing a guest coaching and someone had asked a question to me of how did you find your calling and i said i didn't find my calling my calling found me and that happened in the doing right like i didn't search for or say here's here's my calling my calling changes. Like if I'm honest, being an educator is not what I, what I ultimately want to do. I feel like my calling is being an author. So I've allowed myself in the process of taking action. I've allowed my calling to find me and it's been beautiful, but we wait for things to like smack us in the head. They never will. We have to co-create what we're looking, you know, to, to, to call into our space actively.
0: Totally. Totally. And it's just as important to know what you don't want to do as it is to know what you do want to (laughs) do. To, to try something and say, oof, never again, is is really valuable information.
1: Ah, yeah. So when people say to me, like, I don't want to be rich, I'm like, how about you get rich and then find out if you don't like it? You know what <laughs> I mean? Like, you, don't, you don't really know if you don't like it until you try.
0: Yes, that's so true. Um, Well, and I know actually in in that same vein, um, I know that you have a shirt and a neon sign behind you that says, I am a rich man. Yes, (laughs) I want to know everything about that quote.
1: Absolutely. So that is coined from Cher when she was, when her mother said, why don't you marry a rich man? And she responded with mama, I am a rich man. And that's something that I, uh, it's hilarious, but I also want to, again, normalize women and wealth. When I bought my car, when we were buying our house, I cannot tell you how many times the, the, the agent or the broker went straight to my husband for advice, or when it came to taxes, went to my husband and I was like, excuse me, I am the person in control of this. I'm the one who's t- making these decisions. And it's sometimes baffling when, when people, when when we're like, when I bought my car, for instance, when people saw much money I made, they were like, what do you do? Like, I, I they couldn't wrap their heads around the fact that I was a wealthy woman, which is wild. So I joke that, and in my in my dad's this me when I was little, like, just marry a rich man. Marry for money, don't marry for love. And... To me, I think that's just a it's lazy advice and and I am a rich man, and I want again i'm i'm going to live that and also life where I get to have it all I get to be it all because I choose to
0: mm-hmm um I'm like ah, oh, preach uh, <laughs> it's funny it, it reminds me too of uh if for anyone who's seen my stand up knows I have a joke about this, but it reminds me of the the saying of be the c e o your parents always wanted you to marry. Yes,
1: exactly the same thing yep
0: so cool Uh, well I feel like you have just sprinkled so much magic and wisdom I am seriously so grateful I feel like I could talk to you for hours Um, and I want to be respectful of your time and our listeners time Um, and so I'm curious last question for you what are you most looking forward to right now
1: I am looking forward to entering a new stage of life where I start a family and I also rock the CEO position at the same time.
0: Ooh, yes.
1: I'm very excited for that new season. Ah,
0: yeah. that is going to be so fun to be a part of. I'm excited. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. I again, so appreciate your making time for this. Um, so appreciate all your wisdom. I'll definitely be sure to drop links to all of your stuff in the show notes. Um, but for anyone who is immediately like, Oh my God, yes, I want everything that Melanie is talking about. Where's the best place for people to find you
1: online? Absolutely. So on Instagram, it's Melanie Aubert. Melanie spelled with two eyes, and that's where I'm the most active. Perfect. Well, again, we'll definitely
0: drop the link to that. Um, thank you again. You're amazing. You're women changing the world. And I so appreciate you joining us.
1: Yes, thank you for having me. Thank you
0: so much for tuning into this episode of the women changing the world podcast. Please rate and review the women changing the world podcast on Spotify, Apple podcasts, or Google podcasts. And don't forget to subscribe for future episodes. You can find me on Instagram at Liz, L i s. dot best, B-E-S-T, or by searching my name on LinkedIn. You can also sign up for my three-day personal branding challenge, which is totally free, by visiting my website, which is Elizabeth with an S-E-L-I-S-A-B-E-T-H, best, B-E-S-T dot com slash personal branding challenge. See you in the next episode.